As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Wendy. And I'm Jess, and you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for inclusive and accessible wellness. Welcome back to another episode of the Food Heaven Podcast. We are so excited about today's episode because we are going to be talking about aging, which I don't think we've ever covered on this podcast and everyone kind of goes through it. So Jess, how do you feel about aging? Do you have any fears around aging? That's a good question. I do have fears. I think my biggest fear, which she addresses in this episode is just like losing my memory because I feel like that's what I, my memories are what I cherish more than anything. And I have so many amazing ones. So to see my well Nana <laughs> go through Alzheimer's and now my grandma on the other side, kind of going through it, like that's really scary to me. And then I think just like being discounted or like counted out by society in general, I think is something that is common, especially in the United States. We don't always like look up to our elders the way that we do in other cultures. And so that's a big fear of mine too, just feeling like not valuable as you get older. What about you though? Yeah, I share that as well because my grandparents are experiencing dementia and yeah, it's a little scary to think about. And also I would say like a fear that I have is becoming reliant on someone else Mm -hmm. to like do the things that I want to do. Like, you know, cause I, I don't know. I just, I have that personality where I just kind of up and go and I do whatever it is that I want on my Mm -hmm. own watch. And so (laughs) yeah, I'm like, all right, I'm out. So it's like, I don't know. It's a little scary to think that I might not be able to do that as an older person. You know, but today we're talking with Christina Peoples and I'm really excited because we talk about a lot of things, but specifically we address some of these fears. And yeah, I just felt very comforted after talking with her because sometimes we kind of work ourselves up around aging and like it's like nobody wants to age, but she talks about why this is something that we should embrace So just to give you a little background, Christina Peoples has a Master of Science in Gerontology, which is the study of aging. And she has a blog called Gero What that she started to raise awareness around aging and also to dispel a lot of the myths and stereotypes that are directed towards aging. We talk about everything from some of the biggest misconceptions and stereotypes about aging to things that we can all do to prepare physically. But also there's another component that she talks about that is very pertinent, especially in the Black community. You'll definitely want to 
stay tuned to listen for that. She even goes into the keys to happiness as an older person that she has seen both in her work with older folks and the research. And one thing that I really liked that she had talked about is this idea of ageism and even age denial and how the concept of is age just nothing but a number, how that is not as straightforward as it may seem. So I'm super excited to play this episode for you guys. But before we jump in, I wanted to read one of our reviews for the podcast. So this review is from Ash, A-S-H-H-D. They said, so good. I don't even think I have the words to explain how great and affirming it feels to listen to this podcast, but I'll try. Listening to Jess and Wendy has helped me reconnect with my love of my body. In what is a very white field, it is really hard to accurately explain how meaningful it is to hear two Black women talk health and wellness. It's like listening to my two older primas talking about, which is cousins in Spanish, talking to me about how to be healthy. I couldn't be more grateful. I hope Jess and Wendy are able to bring us this podcast as long as I like. Thanks, y'all. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Make sure you leave us a review. First of all, thank you for leaving that super sweet review, first and foremost. And if you haven't already, make sure that you leave us a review. It takes less than a minute. If you want to, you can, you know, leave some kind words, but you don't have to. You can just leave a few stars, preferably five. All right. So <laughs> we're going to jump right into the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Christina. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we'd like to start off by asking our guests just a simple question. And that's how have you been doing and managing with everything going on right now? I've been doing the best that I can, just trying to remain focused on what I have control over and just trying to keep a positive mindset and not allow outside things to just affect my peace and what I'm trying to do in my life. Yeah. Yeah. What's like the number one tool, I guess, that you have used for to to protect that peace or, or the one thing that you're doing every day that's like really helpful in doing so? Oh, well, I've been trying, working really hard on just staying off of social media. I think when I get on there and I get wrapped up in everything that's being shared, it'll kind of throw me off. And then next thing I know, I'm like, why is my mood feel different? Or why do things feel off for me? And it's like, okay, let me let me stop. So I try to give myself a time limit for how long I'm going to be on there and how frequently I'm going to get oh, on nice. there every day. And that's really helped a lot. How do you stick to the time limit? <laughs> <laughs> it takes discipline. I'll yeah. tell you, I don't always need it, you know? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it takes a lot of discipline and there's tons of things I have to do besides being on social media. So I try to just remind myself, like, you know, if you don't do this and you don't do that, you're not going to feel good about it later. So go ahead, stay focused, do what you're supposed to do, keep it moving. But it can be hard. And like I said, I don't always meet the mark, but I try. <laughs> yeah, I've been missing the mark a lot during quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a time limit too, but now it's like, you know, you don't have nothing else to do, even though you know you got a lot of things to do. It's like, let me just go on Instagram. And then, like you said, you end up not feeling so great after being on there for way too much time. So 
yeah, I need to practice that too. I need to be a little more mindful of the time that I'm spending on there. But yeah, I'm really excited about today's topic because I don't think we've covered this before, just like gerontology, aging. Um, And so for people listening who have no idea what gerontology is, you have a master's of science in this field. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this, what piqued your interest and also what it is? Well, I'll first just start with what it is. I usually just tell people it's the study of aging because that's basically what it is. It focuses on the aging process and the individuals across the life course. And it looks at the biological aging aspect, the psychological aspect, and also the sociological aspects. And it's all combined. And we look at how those things affect people who are aging throughout life and one of the things that got me interested I since I've been a child I've always gravitated towards older adults and I don't know what it was about them. I just I loved them we would volunteer at nursing homes whether it was like for a holiday to take a card or just to go and sing and whatnot and I just enjoyed it I have pictures where I would on the laps of residents and it just be like they could have been a grandparent of mine or something so I knew growing up like this is what I want to do I want to do something that involves me working with older adults and I thought okay I can be a nurse I'm gonna go to school I'm gonna be a nurse and then I'm gonna work with older adults but when that fell through and I didn't get into the nursing program it was like well now what And that's when I found out that there was a gerontology program. So I said, okay, this is good. We're still on track. And that's kind of how I got into the field. Um, People do find it rare that younger adults um, want to work with older adults and want to be around them. And I just see it as something that's normal. I, I see people who are... 50, 60, 70, that I call my friends like I would those who were in their 20s or their 30s. Yes. No, I feel everything you're saying because when I used to work inpatient in the hospital, I loved working with older folks so much. I had such a good connection with them. And I was just like, oh my God, I could see myself working in a nursing home or something like that. I didn't end up working out like that, but I, I feel you. I just feel like there's so much wisdom I don't know. I, sometimes I feel like with younger people, there's like this awkwardness or this like protective shield maybe that's not there with older folks and they're just very honest. And I really yeah. appreciate that about them. So that is cool that you decided to study this and go into this field. I'm wondering like, were there a lot of people in your program? Like, are there a lot of programs? Because I had never even heard of this before. No, there were like seven of us in the what? program. So I'll be on campus, you may meet someone and they'll say, yeah, so what do you study? And I'll go gerontology. You're like, what? What is yeah. that? Because your what? website is Gero what, right? Yeah, and that's where it <laughs> came from. Because anytime I would tell people, they would like ruin the name, just murder it. Or it would be like, what? Like, I've never heard of that. So it was a very small group of us that were in the program. And I stay connected with them to this day because I mean, you know, we were working with each other closely every day. The program, it still exists and there's other schools that have it, but it is challenging trying to recruit people to want 
to study gerontology or see the importance of studying it. So absolutely. Yeah. From your experience and your studies, do you find that it's true, like Aaliyah says, that age ain't nothing but a number? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more than a number. Okay. I use the phrase myself just because I want people not to focus on the number. But aging is more than just the number. And what people have to realize is you have your chronological age and you have biological age. We tend to focus on the chronological age, that number, and we let it define how we live, what choices we make in life and things. But honestly, the biological aging is what's most important because it's focusing on how often we exercise, how well we manage stress, what we're exposed to in the environment, chronic conditions. These are all things that can really determine how well we're aging. So when we think about aging, we can focus on, okay, what choices am I making in my life that can help me age well or help me be the best person I can be as I continue moving through the process? So I think it's more than just the number. And I really, I really want people to know that focusing on that number might do more harm than good. Yeah. And you mentioned aging well. And I want to talk a little bit about that because I feel like usually aging well is associated with anti-aging where it's like (laughs) the anti-aging products, like, you know, making sure that you don't get, you know, a head full of gray hair. It's it's like trying to stop time so that you don't look like you're an older person. Um, And you talk on your website about age denial. Can you talk a little bit about what this is? And I don't know, like if you see it as a problematic thing, because I think especially for women, there's so much pressure to maintain, you know, youth and whatever. Like I'm just thinking of all the marketing words that I (laughs) that I see on these products. And it's like, I don't know, I just see it as such BS. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, age denial is a form of ageism. And ageism is discrimination or prejudice towards someone because of their age. But with age denial, a lot of people don't want to admit how old they are. Right. People who are turning 30 and it's like, oh, I'm about to be 30. So I'm going to continue saying I'm 25 for the rest (laughs) of my life. I'm about to be 50 or 60. No, no, don't tell me. Don't remind me how old I am. And I'm like, why? Yeah. (laughs) Like, for what? So now you're dreading this number and it's causing you to have a negative outlook on life. And when I think of it, it's like, I'm looking forward to turning a year older. I'm looking forward to what it's going to bring because I'm trying to have a positive outlook on life. And I look at it as it's a blessing to turn a year older. It's a blessing to experience the ups and downs that come with the aging experience. And so when we consistently deny our age, we're denying positivity in our lives. We're denying seeing things from a positive lens. So I think it can be problematic and it really is like a pet peeve of mine when I hear people speak so negatively Mm -hmm. about 
their age. And as I continue to talk to them, I'm like, oh, well, they're just negative all around. <laughs> it's all based on the choice of words that they want to choose. Yeah, it reminds me actually of uh, one of my friends was saying that she met some guy and he said, she told him her age and he was like, oh my God, you look amazing for, I don't know, maybe she's like 37 at the time. And she was just like, what does that even mean? Like, what am I, is 37 supposed to be like where I'm not supposed to look amazing? Like, why is that so surprising and shocking? And why do people have to comment? And it is really irritating. Yeah. I see that a lot too. I feel like I've gotten, because I, I, especially when I was in my early twenties, I looked like I was a high schooler and it was like, oh my God, you, and it's just like, I don't know. It's always been so weird to me. Like it's supposed to be a compliment that you don't look like your, your actual age or also like a pet peeve of mine is like when you ask someone their age and they're like, well, how old do you think I am? And it's like, Mm. just say how old (laughs) it's like really annoying. Like, I'm like, why don't you just say how old you are? Like, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, who cares? I don't know. Or like, don't ask a woman her age. Yeah. Yeah. That's so annoying, too. Like, why are you offended? I'm asking how old you are. I just don't think it's a big deal. Exactly. Like, normalizing it. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. But I do think people associate when they say things like, oh, you look good for your age. It's. Because they associate aging with wrinkles and looking frail. And so they always focus on the outward appearance. And if you don't, you know, look like what I guess society paints the picture of aging to be, then it's a compliment. You are doing it. And it's like, no. Well, we just interviewed a guest, actually, Diane Bondi. And after the episode, because she's in her 50s and she told us her age, we were like, oh, my God you don't look like you're in your I mean she looked like she was maybe in her mid-30s it was pretty significant and I think that's definitely something that like that's a conversation that happens a lot amongst black people right and people I feel like there there's like a pride in that like where you may look there's a discrepancy potentially in like how you but that's the same thing as you look good for your age right so I think that's us maybe having to not make those comments anymore. Yeah, like I was just thinking <laughs> about that, the whole black don't crack thing, because I, I do think it connects black people in a way, because it's like, <laughs> yep, you know, we got it. But <laughs> at the same time, yeah, it can be problematic. It, we may not be looking at it as deeply as it is. Like, well, we're the rate of our aging is different than other races or things of that nature. But it doesn't necessarily mean, it really doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It doesn't mean things are going better for us or anything right. like that. But we do use it as like this whole like, yeah, we got it going on. But then we have like a million other issues. Right. In addition to, but I guess I do get what you're saying. And I know I've done it and yeah. I've been around people who do it. We, But it can be problematic or it, it does fall into the whole ageism category of us, you know, seeing our skin being smooth and wrinkle free or, um, you know, all of those things, no gray hair, stuff like that. Focusing on the appearance can pretty much cater to the stereotypes that are out there related to aging. It also makes me think of the idea that 
a lot of it is just genetic too. Because I look at J-Lo, right? And it's like, everyone just praises J-Lo all the time. Oh my God, I don't know how old she is, but oh my God, she's like whatever age. And I'm just like, okay, but can we acknowledge that this is probably 95% genetics or even with the skin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, me and Wendy talk about this all the time because people are, you know, sometimes say like, oh, you know, what can I do for my skin? Or they'll say like, our skin looks nice. And I'll just be honest, like it's probably mostly, I have nothing to do with it. You know, it's mostly genetic. Yes, there's things you can do to take care of your skin and make it look better. And, you know, trying those things for some people can be helpful, but like we have to acknowledge the genetic component to aging as well. And also I feel like celebrities are not a good gauge of of what's, you know, accurately aging if that's even a thing like because they have so much money and have access to so many products and so many percent like we don't really know what's going on that's contributing to their youthful appearance so I don't know I just yeah I feel like that's not they're not an accurate measure but yeah there are I think definitely there are people who just genetically they might yeah they might not have to do as much to like take care of their skin which like for me and Jess we just started washing our face like a few years ago and like we've never you know and it it really is truly all genetic so there are people who like my best friend since high school he's had gray hair and it's just like those are his genetics whereas other people get gray hairs into their 50s you know it's so yeah Uh, like on my family gray hair doesn't run in my family so we may have a few strings here and there, but that's it. I think this also goes in line with kind of the appearance ideal in our society that I try to work with my clients to reevaluate or maybe even step away from. And just, you know, we we tend to make these comments like, oh, and I do it all the time too. Like, oh my God, your skin, your all these different things that are appearance-based, which again, it's like so much of it is just genetic, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we have to just be more mindful about focusing on, like you were saying, focusing on things outside of the physical that you appreciate about someone, especially people who are struggling with body image and with the appearance. Cause I think yeah. just having everything so focused on that can be really triggering. Right. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like you study aging, what are some of the biggest myths and stereotypes that you have come across? Oh, one of the ones I hear most is related to memories. So people think that with aging, that developing dementia or some sort of cognitive issue is a normal part of aging or is inevitable. And that's not true. But I think because, you know, the awareness that's been brought to dementia and what society defines memory loss to be and all these things, people believe like, oh my God, I'm going to eventually lose my memory or I'm going to eventually have an issue with my memory or whatever. And that's, that's not the case. Um, as we get older, we may forget some things here and there. That's normal. But where we actually develop extreme issues related to memory loss, such as like dementia, that's not normal. And I don't want people to fear aging because they think that that's what's going to occur. And then there's like another myth where people think everyone goes to a nursing home. And that's also not true. Like I've been around 
people who say, you know, when I get in the nursing home, I'm going to do this. I'm like, well, who said that that's where you're going to be? That's not, a, that doesn't have to be where you end up. Um, there are several reasons why people have to move into a nursing home. And a lot of times it's not even because of their age. It's because of an illness or just not being able to care for themselves. And it was safer for them to move into a nursing home. But it doesn't mean that as we get older, when we reach a certain age, that now we have to move into a nursing home. And then another one is just all around sex. People really believe that there's just this turn off switch as it relates to sex. And as we get older, and that's not the case, and they're always in shock when they learn that people well in their 70s or 80s are still sexually active. And it's because that's that's part of life. That's, that's a pleasure. That's what people enjoy. And because we've reached this high high level in aging it doesn't mean that it stops what you enjoy when you were younger you more than likely will still enjoy or figure out another way to enjoy it or what have you so those are just a few of the common myths that I've heard as it relates to aging yeah and I'm also thinking about some of our listeners who even message us and they're like, am I too old to become a registered dietitian or am I too old to start a business? I think that there's a lot of misconceptions, even like for people who are older about what they may or may not be able to do or like, am I too old to do this kind of movement or what have you? And, and kind of like how that all ties into ageism. And I'm thinking like, what are some of the more subtle ways that you've seen ageism manifest? Like we just spoke about how even as Black people, we talk about the whole Black don't crack. And like, I think more like things that people might not even be aware of that can be ageist or that can kind of create that culture of not wanting to become older. Well, I mean, just like you said, with the whole too old mindset, that's very subtle. You don't even realize that you're thinking that way. But it could be something as simple as going to a cooking class, going back to school, things of that nature, where the person counts themselves out. And then they start counting themselves out of everything simply because they feel like they have gotten to this point in life where they can't learn something new or it may be too complicated to grasp or they'll look funny because they may be the oldest person in the room or what have you. Those are things that people don't even realize that they're doing. I'm counting myself out or I don't think I'm valuable because of my age. Nobody's going to want to hear what I have to share or what I have to offer. Just to follow up on that, I know that, yes, there's those thoughts that can be internal. But there's also external ageism, right? And so how do you navigate that when it's like you're having that thought that, oh my God, nobody cares what I think because of my age. But then it's also reinforced by you having a hard time getting a job because of your age, which is something that happened to my mom as a teacher. It took She took a break from teaching and was an entrepreneur and then went back to it. And it was really hard for her to get back into it. Yeah, it's one of those situations where we have to think outside of the box. I mean... It's hard to a lot of times pinpoint or call a company out and say, I know that you, you know, went over me for someone else because of my age or you think I'm too expensive or whatever the case may be. 
it's really hard to make a case because they have everything in place to protect them. So it's one of those situations where we have to think outside of the box. There's several different movements related to age discrimination within the workforce to become a part of, to have people there to support an individual who may feel as if they've been discriminated against when it comes to the workforce. And then, I mean, with social groups outside of the workforce, just trying to be involved in a social group or whatever the case may be. It's just where we have to think outside of the box. I think the greatest things that are in place come from rejection and come from people telling us no or what have you. And then you're like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. So it's just one, looking at it differently to trying to get a support group that can help you, especially if it's involving being in the workforce. And then three, just making your own path. If you know if it's something that you truly desire and you want to do and nobody's trying to let you in, then you just make your own lane and, and go that route. Do you feel like in your experience and thinking about the whole workplace thing, do you feel like it's viewed differently for men and women? Because I feel like with a lot of these corporations, there's all these old white men who are typically um, in charge of these companies. But then I feel like for women, it's like, oh, you're tired. Oh, you're old. Oh, you're expired. I don't know. That might just be like me um, from the outside looking in. But since you work closely with older people, is that something that you've noticed? It would be me on the outside looking in, too, because I haven't worked directly with individuals that have experienced that. But I would definitely go along with what you're saying as far as you do see older white males. I mean, they decide when they want to retire, whereas women, it's like they're pushing us out of the door. Like, (laughs) your time is up here. And I can't for the life of me understand why right. it is that way. Um, just aside from what history tells us um, when it comes to situations like that. Yeah. So in thinking about preparing for aging, I don't even know if that's a thing. Like, should we be preparing for aging? I know that there are things that we should think about, like practically speaking, like, you know, retirement, like finances for retirement, stuff like that. But outside of all of those things, like are are there things that we should be considering or like things that we can help to transition smoothly into an older age? Yeah, I mean, preparation is key. Of course, life will bring about things that are unexpected. And that's a lot of times how we know, like, oh, I need to be prepared for this in case it happens next time. So it's really like the whole experience is a good teacher thing. But um, there are things that I feel we should be uh, mindful of and, and look further into, such as like having a will or advanced directives, estate planning, or just having a life insurance policy and the importance of having a life insurance policy in place. That one is a biggie because even this year, so many people have died and didn't have a life insurance policy. So who was paying for the funeral and who did this and who did that? But having things like that in place for when you're gone and you're no longer here and making sure that your family isn't burdened with, you know, things that you may not have handled prior to. And then, of course, there's just, you know, focusing on mental health and addressing trauma and 
things that concern you as you continue aging, that's always going to be a big thing um, and a key to aging well. And then the exercise, things that I feel people have been stressing for years, it still stands true to this day. These are things that will help us continue moving through the aging experience smoothly, but also taking into consideration that there will be some bumps in the road. But when they occur, it's like, well, I've been focusing on my mental health here. So now I know how to approach this or I've put this, this, that in place financially. This is how I can do this. So just making sure that you have things in place. And I think with our culture, with black, the black community, um, we don't really know a lot about that. We don't, we're, we don't have the luxury of knowing some of the things like I just listed are important and helpful for us. And so there's like this big push of teaching the different types of insurance policies, simple as knowing what a deductible out of pocket is, like little things like that, that is important, especially to the, the Black community. I was going to ask about that or follow up with just a comment because I think that's so true. I have like so many people who I know of where we're, we don't really learn those things that, okay, you put your money or you put all your assets or whatever in a trust. It, mm-hmm. So it makes sense to pass it on to somebody or like you said, the life insurance, all those basic things, maybe for like, not basic for black people because we haven't really been taught them, but maybe for you know people who may have had a little bit more generational wealth and had access to this information, we really need to, to, you know, educate ourselves or find resources because that's such a good point. And even me, like I, I didn't know any of this stuff until I started dating my husband. And even now he's like, okay, we're getting our living will, or I don't even know what it is, but the trust and the will. And he's like contacting lawyers and the life insurance and all the things. Cause he's just like, we can't be that, (laughs) that like couple or whatever, where it's like, you have a house and you don't do these things. And all of a sudden, like the family loses out on it because we didn't do the proper planning. So one of the things that I was thinking about when you're talking about like aging and physical activity was, I'm not going to lie. Like when I turn 30, (laughs) I just feel like my body definitely changed in terms of the things it was able to do. And in some ways it feels a little bit like a bummer because it's easier for me to get injured. I have just more back pain and things like that. How do you flip that and not make it such a negative thing? Because I think that's a common thing that we, you know, talk about as we get older is like, oh man, like just went downhill after I reached a certain age. (laughs) Yeah. And I can definitely say as I've gotten older, like, pain in my knees. I just went to a physical therapist yesterday because I've been having issues with my ankles. And then he was like, oh yeah, your hips are weak. And I'm like, what? Oh my God. Um, but I have to approach it like, okay, I knew this was coming. You know, I knew, I know that as we continue aging, we're going to have some physical changes and there may be some limitations placed on that because of those changes but I'm gonna still do what I you know what I can so with me it's like I was telling my physical therapist like I I haven't been working out since 
like the last five days or so because I've been having pain, but I want to work out. And it took me a long time to say something like that, like, oh, I want to work out. But it's because I know, like, I know that that's what's good for me. And I can't allow my aches and my pains to stop me from doing something that I know is good for me. I may not be able to do it with the same amount of intensity as I once was, but it's like, you know what, do what you can, just do what you can and, and focus on that and not the things that (laughs) hurt you daily or periodically. It's just all in how we look at it. And I think one of the things that I have been focusing on, and it was really something that my pastor had brought to mind, was just being self-aware of our thoughts and what we're saying. And if I keep saying, oh, I'm hurting, or I keep saying, man, I can't, I can't jump as high as I used to be able to, or I used to be able to do a split. I can't do that anymore. If I keep saying those things, then I'm going to start finding that there's more things I'm not able to do just because of me saying those little things. So changing how we speak about our situation and how we think about our situations can be very helpful. Yeah. One follow-up question I have is from your experience working with the older population, maybe there's stuff in the research. What are the keys to happiness as an older person? I would say the main one is social interaction. Well, what we gerontologists, people who work in the field, who work with older adults, what people have noticed is that there are a high number of older adults who experience social isolation and loneliness. And when the pandemic began, that became even more magnified, like, oh, wow, they really are suffering from this. Social interaction is one of the biggest keys to happiness. We've seen a decline in the mental health and the physical health of individuals who live in a nursing home, as an example. And from where they were in March and where they are today, is it completely different? So they look frail and they may not be able to talk where in March they were talkative and they've lost, they've lost weight. Their appearance is flush. They don't look like what they used to look like. And it's because they're not getting the social interaction that they're used to. They don't have volunteers coming in to sit with them. They don't have their family members coming in to talk or hug them. They may be able to do Zoom or or FaceTime, but it's not the same as just being in person and it being that one-on-one interaction or a physical touch. So I really believe that social interaction is like one of the biggest keys to happiness. It's fun to have someone to laugh with or to bounce thoughts off to or to just sit in a room with. And when you don't have that, you really start to you feel it. Even just me personally, it's like, okay, I wasn't able to get out as much. I'm not able to see my friends as often as I would like or spend time with my loved ones as as often as I'm used to. That's affecting me. And it's like you, you have these moments where you may feel sad or lonely because this piece that has been in your life for so long is no longer there or it's not there temporarily. And then I think also with the another 
key to happiness is just, and this is challenging. So I think I'll say this like, this might be for me, <laughs> but <laughs> just really seeing yourself as you want to see yourself. So it took a long time for me to, to see myself as like, you know what? I, I always say I got the juice. Like I, I, I am everything I want to be. I'm, I'm moving into this dope individual. I can learn what I want to learn. I can do what I want to do. That makes me happy for older adults when they feel valued. That makes them happy when you go to a person and you say tell me what you used to do when you would teach math class or can't you still draw can you draw me a picture I want I'm looking for some decorations to put in my home Mm -hmm. but going to them and just asking them questions or getting them involved in things or just calling just to say hello you crossed my mind and letting them know that they're being thought of letting them know that they're still valuable is another key to happiness. I love that. And now, I mean, once quarantine is over, I'm inspired to volunteer at a nursing home because I never even thought of that. I mean, it's like I I always knew that to be an option, but I don't know. It's like just something that you don't really think about, I guess. Yeah, I think that younger people can gain so much perspective through having these conversations and also it's such a big contribution so that older people can feel valued and can feel acknowledged. So I love that. And also, I'm wondering, as we're talking about all of this, like, do you have any go-to resources that you enjoy? Because I remember listening to this podcast Mm -hmm. a few months back about dating as an older person that I thought was really cool and unique and just kind of like navigating that world of like dating in your 50s, 60s, 70s. And so do you have any like go-to resources that dispel myths or kind of like create a new narrative around getting older? Do you mean like personal resources or anything? Oh yeah. So there is, and I can send you all these links, but there's the national council on aging. That's a big platform that gives different tips about health, different tips related to finances, um, just healthy aging, It'll connect you to other agencies if this is something specific to like long-term care or mental health or what have you. Then there's the National Institute on Aging that's out there as well. They dispel myths and they also provide, they call them age pages. And it's different topics related, related to aging. And it'll compare normal aging and abnormal aging. And it'll give, you know, some just different information related to that. Then there's the Area Agency on Aging, which is in most states, but it's an agency where people can call if they need direction. So it could be something as simple as my mom, my mom uh, was, they could say something like my mom was recently diagnosed with dementia and we're trying to figure out what to do. Well, agencies like the Area Agency on Aging can put you in the right direction of where to go. So those are some of the resources that I can think of like off the top of my head that can be very helpful for any age, um, helpful for caregivers and all of that stuff. Those are all great. I'm going to include them in the show notes as well. So anyone who wants to find them, just head on over to our website and it'll be on the episode page 
Now, in wrapping up, where can our audience learn more about you and the work that you've been doing? So they can visit my website, which is www.gerowhat.com. And then I'm also on Instagram as Jero underscore what. And I'm on Facebook as Jero what. Great. Amazing. Thank you so much. This has been an eye-opening episode. I agree with Wendy. I'm going to definitely start volunteering when things open back up. And I know that people will really appreciate all the wisdom that you've shared today. So thanks so much, Christina. Thank you for having me. This was fun. I appreciate it a lot. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to connect with us online. We're most active on the gram at Food Heaven, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter at Food Heaven Show. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Yep, our podcast is released every Wednesday, and each week we take a deep dive into topics like health at every size, food and culture, intuitive eating, mental health, and body acceptance. If you're looking for a sustainable and inclusive path to wellness, come hang out with us to learn how to take care of yourself from the inside out. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.